You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, turn to Romans chapter 12, and I want you to take lots and lots of notes because we got a lot to cover a lot of scripture to cover. I want you to take notes so that you can go back and reread and restudy some of this when you've got time to simulate it. Mark Romans chapter 12 with a ribbon. We're going to be there the next couple of weeks as I share with you what is called by teachers of this the motivational gifts. Now, it doesn't say motivational gifts in scripture. It says gifts. But these are the gifts that motivate people to do what they do. And because it motivates you to act in a certain way or to respond in a certain way, we refer to them as motivational gifts because they motivate action. We're going to see in these next two weeks um, the giftings of God. And, and when you get a hold of what I want to talk with us about, it will, it will change your outlook on life, it will change you personally, it will change the way you deal with people, it will change the way you relate even to the family members in your home. Because what you're going to see in this is what oftentimes so irritates you, I mean just irritates you to no end is the very thing you need from that person. It's the very thing that you yourself are lacking in and you so need. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things. Well, not all things, certain things. You don't have the ability to do everything. You have the ability to do certain things. Well... Now, that right there, we could say case closed. Obviously, I need you. Because there are certain things that I don't do well, that you do do well, that make me dependent on you, and that's God's plan. When you read, God has given each of us, each, 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 everybody, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. When you read that, what do you think? What do you think when you read that? Well, we got to go back to Genesis 2.15. The reason God created man was he saw no one to tend the garden. He 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 created all this, and then he said, there's nobody here to take care of business here on this earth. And then he created us and put us here to tend the garden. That's the reason you're here. So you live with the awareness that you're no accident. You live with the awareness that you didn't evolve randomly in here. You live with the awareness that I've been created by God and gifted by God to do certain things well. That's woven in my DNA. You did not choose the fact that math in school came easy for you. You you didn't choose that while many others in your class so struggle with math. Your parents didn't choose that for you. You sat right in the same math class as this girl over here. She made 100 
plus the bonus questions, and you just barely passed. You were under the exact same elementary PE teacher, junior high basketball coach, senior high basketball coach as your best friend, and you have a hard time dribbling and running at the same time, and they're the leading scorer on the team. Now, why is that? Why is that? You were in the same music class as your friend. And in minutes, they're playing the instrument. And you've been in music class all 12 years you were in school and you still can't hit a note. But who, why, what, what's going on here? You didn't choose the fact that you were good working with your hands while other people can't handle the right end of a hammer. And you look at them and think, seriously? And, and they get a hammer and you, Really? I think my dog could pick up the hammer and be more precise with it than that. Sam, you you didn't choose to be good with a hammer or not be good with a hammer. See, others took the same typing class you did, and and you just smoke the keyboard typing, and others got one finger, and they're still hunting and pecking this thing. See, Romans 12, 6. God has given each person the ability to do certain things well. Another place I want you to mark is 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, use them to help each other for the common good. See, as we do what we do, we use our giftings to help each other for the common good. See, you bless others with what you do well. They bless others with what they do well. And it's in giving that you receive as you serve other people with your giftings and other people serve others with their giftings. We're all blessed. And the more people that you are able to bless with your gift, the more you are blessed. All right, Romans 12, let's read in verse 6. Romans 12, verse 6. In his grace, you didn't deserve this, you didn't earn this, you didn't do anything for it. Just in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is in giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We have the giftings of God here, and today, psychologists have referred to these seven as personality traits. God has made us different, and we see in modern-day terms personality traits here. We call them personality traits. We call them giftings, or as I'm teaching this, I'm going to refer to them as motivational gifts. Another scripture that I want you to know is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, each one should use whatever gift he has received 
to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. There is a personality-shaping gift that every person has. God gave it. It shapes who you are, and it shapes how you are who you are. The Word tells us that we're to use it for one another and bless each other with this. Hold your place there. I want to show you something very interesting. Revelation, all the way to the back of your Bible, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. I want you to get this. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who, is all, who always was and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all of the kings of the world. God is a triune being, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Here in verse 4, we see the description of the Holy Spirit. We see the description of the Holy Spirit as a seven-part being. Seven expressions of the Holy Spirit. Flip over one more page, chapter 3, verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. Okay, and this is very interesting here. The Holy Spirit is one person, but he has seven fold expressions of who he is. Not seven different spirits, very clear, from the one who has the sevenfold. Okay, has everybody got that? Seven expressions of God. Okay, let's go back to Romans chapter 12. Each of us has been given a gifting that is an expression of God. And when we assemble together, when we come together, when we work together, we form Christ's body here on this earth. You by yourself are not the body of Christ. That's when we talk about this a lot. You don't go to church when you watch a church on podcast. Now, you've got some teaching on podcast, and that's a great thing. I'm not saying that's not a good thing, but we're not assembling as a body of Christ until we all join together. When we come together, then all of our giftings make up these seven expressions of the Holy Spirit, there is a clear working of these in all of us. At two years old, three years old, four years old, those of you who have little children, you can begin to see distinctive personality traits in these motivational giftings. It's amazing for a parent to watch and hear two kids from the same mom and dad how different they are and how different they respond to certain situations in the home. Now, what I want to show you from the Word is going to be life-changing. I'm, well, I'm excited about getting into this. 
And, and for those of you who already know all this, Tim, we, I know this, I've known this for years. Josh said this a few weeks ago, and it, it was just such a profound statement when Josh said, when you come in here Sunday morning and Wednesday night, our sermons aren't designed as much to teach you what you don't know as they are to remind you to do what you already know. And, and that's what we try to do here. So I don't want you to think that I think you're an idiot and you don't know this, but we're trying to motivate, oh yeah, 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 I got to remember that. Oh yeah, I got to remember that. Do you understand the different personalities that God has created each of us with? It's life-changing. Life-changing for parents, life-changing for mates. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Back to Romans chapter 12. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Okay? If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging, encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. If you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All right. Two vitally important things that I want you to get from this. First of all, number one, understand your giftings. And then number two, understand others' giftings who are not like you. All right, follow with me, Romans chapter 12, seven different aspects of God. And all of us are one of these or two of these predominantly and maybe a little bit of a third one. All right, here we go. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leader, administrator, mercy or kindness, depending upon your translation. Now, before you can see what it is you're supposed to do on earth, all of you young people, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be when I grow up? What, what career am I going into? The most important thing you can do is understand your giftings. Don't get into something that is outside your giftings because you'll be miserable doing that. So you've got to understand your giftings first and then pursue what God has for you. Well, how do I know what God has for me? He has for you what he has gifted you and equipped you to do. Always remember, Corinthians and Romans, every man is given gifts. Now, what we have here is seven facets of God we're talking about. Now, let me, let me just, let me say this, side note, for those who have been in the Lord for many, 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 many years, 40, 50 years, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you mature in your walk with the Lord, the more of these giftings you will exercise in your life. Because the more like him you're becoming. When you start out, you're one. And then maybe two. But the more you walk 
following the Lord, the more you become like him, then you start picking up on some of these other things that you never did do 20 years ago, but you find yourself doing them all the time now because you are becoming more and more like the Lord each day as you mature in him. All right, let me define these seven first for us. Number one, the prophet. We're not talking about a fortune teller here. Prophet comes from two words, which means forth speak. It means perceiver or seer. Now, this person will speak their mind pretty quickly. You don't ever have to worry about what they're thinking. They're going to say what they're thinking. This person is very opinionated. This person sees in black and white, not a lot of gray. Now, we're going to talk about this because every gift that is given by God to be used by God is what the flesh, is what the devil wants to take to destroy you with. Now, know this. The devil is not a creator of anything. The devil does not create anything. So the devil can only use what God creates and pervert that. So for your downfall in life, the devil has got to take what God gifted you with and then pervert that and cause that thing to be the thing that destroys you. So the very thing that was to cause you to be a blessing and a success is the very thing that takes you out in life. So that's what we're talking about here as we go through these. The prophet gift in the flesh, and some of you will recognize this, in the flesh... This person is very demanding. They are overbearing at times. They're very strong-willed. They're inflexible. They're pretty domineering. And you can see this at two, three years old. Okay, look straight at me. Don't be looking and clearing your throat. You just look straight at me and say, amen. Amen. See, there's not... Okay, In the flesh, that's what this person... Now, in the spirit, what God intended for this person is somebody who is committed, somebody who is bold, somebody who perseveres and doesn't back up, somebody is a discerner. This person is a problem solver. They can see what needs to be done and they can make it happen. They walk in, they can identify the problem, they can correct the problem, and they can see what needs to be done, and they can make it happen. See, they see a way to do it. You won't ever hear this gift say, we can't, we don't know how. You won't ever hear this gift, well, I tried, but I couldn't fix it. See, that's never the thinking of a prophet. The thing of a prophet is, I'll make it work. If I don't know how, I'll figure it out. If I can't figure it out, I'll find somebody to figure it out. Catch you a seat and watch me make this happen. That's this personality gifting. All right, the gift of service. You can follow us down chapter 12. The gift of service. In the flesh, this person stays frustrated with other people all the time. Because they're always frustrated with other people because of what they see they should be doing. And nobody does enough to suit them. And I don't know why they won't go and handle this over here. I don't know why they won't do this. Now, in the spirit, this person is hospitable, generous, caring, and is always available 
for use. Always available for use. This person can be frustrated with other people. This person can worry a lot. This person can internalize a lot. In our marriage, Terry is a server. She serves us. She cleans, she fixes, she cooks. I have never in 40-something years walked in the house that her first words to me aren't, what can I get for you? What can I get for you? Are you thirsty? Do you want me to make you something to eat? What can I do for you? See, her, her personality is, I need to cook something for them. I need to take something over for them. I need to go and do something for them. See, I am, I am the prophet teacher gifting. I want to tell everybody what they did wrong, but I don't want to do anything for anybody. So I go, why do you want to take some food over to their house? Don't they have any food in their house? If they don't have any food in their house, they need to get a job. I don't understand why you're cooking. All these pots. I was like, what, 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 what are you doing? Oh, so-and-so didn't feel very good today. Well, I don't feel very good today. Why are we taking all this food? See, she is gifted to serve other people. I'm gifted to teach them. You shouldn't have done that. You wouldn't be sick. The gift of teaching, the third one here. In the flesh, this person is very impatient. This person is fairly disrespectful. This person is pretty condescending to others. I can't believe you don't know that. Well, what an idiot. You don't know that? Well, look, just let me show you how to do that. Now, in the spirit, this person is very secure, very thorough, very dependable, very diligent, very methodical. But this person always wants to teach something. They always want, when you sit down at the dinner table, this person has to teach an object lesson about what just happened, what happened on the news, what happened here, what happened. This person, ha, we're driving down the car. Now, see, if they wouldn't have done that, I've got everybody in the car, I have to be teaching them something all the time. We sit down at the dinner table, I've got to explain something to them. See, if you would have just done it this way. See, if they would do this. See, this wouldn't happen if they would have done this, that, and the other. See, the kid comes running, falls down. Oh, daddy, daddy. See, if you wouldn't run, you wouldn't fall down. See, that, that is that teaching gift. Here's the problem. Terry is a server, and she wants me to help her vacuum. I don't vacuum. I'll teach other people how to vacuum. But that's not what I do. Here, let me call some people. I'll hire three or four folks. I'll come over here and I'll stand in the room. Okay, you get, you, but see, I don't, I don't want to vacuum. But see, for her, she wants me to help her vacuum. I don't know why she wants me to do that. I never have known why she wants me to do that. See, it's giftings. It's wirings that well up inside you. Number four, I got to move on. The gift of exhortation. In the flesh... This person is impulsive. This person is pretty presumptuous. Um, in, in the spirit, this person is very enthusiastic, very happy, 
encourages other people all the time, pats people on the back, brags on people. Everything is always good. And everything, even if it's not good, will be good. See, the encourager always has an encouraging word. You look pretty today. Your hair looks pretty today. Your outfit looks Say, oh, you did a great job yesterday. See, an encourager wants to encourage everybody there around. See, I like to encourage people. I don't want to do the dishes. I want to brag on you. You did the dishes really well. But see, I don't want to do the dishes. Number five, the giver. In the flesh, this person buys friends. They always have to be buying something for somebody. They buy friends. This person's very wasteful. This person spends very unwisely. And this person's very extravagant. Now, in the spirit, this person is benevolent. This person looks for ways to give. This person looks for ways to invest in people's lives. This person is very grateful for the blessings that they have, the giver. The leader or administrator, depending on your translation. In the flesh, this person is a dictator, is bossy, take over. This person can't follow anybody. Now, in the spirit, this personality is responsible, sees ahead, is determined, is very organized. Okay, what motivates you? You, you see yourself in one or two or three of these. What, what kind of motivates you? Number seven, the gift of mercy. In the flesh, this person is unbelievably indecisive. The, do you want to go here? Oh, well, no, I, well, my, well, can I call you tomorrow? I, I need a yes or no right now. Well, I, well, we, uh, well, I'm not. Do you want? Do you want cake or pie? Oh, wow! Oh, whoa! I, I, oh, uh, well, I, you know, I like, I like them both. I, this person's very. Pull the trigger. This person's real easy to get their feelings hurt. Uh, this person doesn't have a whole lot of drive, and this person sees other people is very hard. Oh, they're hard. They're hard. They're mean. They're, they're hard. Ooh. Now, in the spirit, this person is very compassionate, very gentle, very meek. This person forgives easily. I mean, chainsaw murder, he didn't mean to. <laughs> Killed 37 people. Well, you know, bless his heart. He, he's, he's a good guy. This person cries a lot. This person will hold the hand of somebody in need. All right, can you see yourself, can you see family members in these seven? Your giftings given by God motivate you, they guide you. See, and and you're going to see, well, I'm kind of a teacher, prophet, administrator. That's kind of my, that's my giftings. I have you noticed I'm not in the healthcare profession. There's nothing about that that I'm drawn to. See, I want to teach somebody something. I want to lead. I want to direct. That motivates me. When someone gets sick, I am at a total loss as to what to do. I don't even know what to say to them. You know, if I do say something, it's going to be wrong. If you go to the hospital, call Paul to come and visit you. Don't, you don't want me to come and visit you. 
Because if I come, I give myself a speech the whole time going up the elevator. Be nice, be nice, be nice, be nice. And I get in there and I look and I go, see, I I fight my diabetes too. And if you wouldn't keep eating all that sugar, you wouldn't be here. I don't eat all that sugar. So I'm healthy and I'm good. You're in a hospital about to die. You got to stop eating donuts, man. So I, I can't not teach them why they're in the hospital. I just, I can't. Oh, bless your heart. Bless their heart. Shouldn't eat that. They need to get some exercise and they wouldn't be here in the hospital. I can't bless their heart, you idiot. I have to teach somebody something at every turn. I just have to. I, and I don't want to. I go in there not planning on it, but I just have to teach something. See, the mercy gift are the people that are in the healthcare business. Say, oh, bless your heart, let me get a cold rag for you. Cold rag, tell them, get up, let's go to work. (laughs) See, God's giftings will lead you into the profession that you're to be in. You're not led into a profession because of money, because of how much it pays. You're not led into a profession because of what your friends are going to do. Young people, Listen to me very, 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 very carefully right here. Very carefully, young people. When you tell your best friend what you're thinking about going to do, here's what you're going to get. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, my gosh, I'd never do that. Oh, maybe I won't do that either. See, because they're not gifted like you. So when you tell... Somebody who is gifted to do this, that you're going to take a job and go do this, they're going to look at you and think, you're crazy. I would never do that. You've got to be careful. Your best friend will think you're stupid for wanting to go to college and major in that because that's not their gifting. So young people, do not, young people, listen, do not be swayed by what your friend thinks is stupid or doesn't think is stupid or go and not, don't be swayed by that because they're different giftings. And I understand you think that me going into med school would be stupid. I understand you think that I want to go into hospital administration. I ain't gonna go sit behind a desk all day long. I understand you think that's stupid. See, I understand you think, I, I can tell you right now, I'd never be an engineer. I get that. But see, don't let that shape your decision because you are basing a decision on your giftings. Right. Terry is the server of our family. Terry is the server of our family. And if we're going to have a happy marriage, I have to learn to appreciate that gift that she has and not be mad at her and frustrated with her because she won't teach for me on Sunday morning when I'm out of town. See, we've got, we're mad and frustrated. You won't ever, why won't you, why? See, you've got to understand your mate's giftings and appreciate what they bring to the table and not be mad because they're not gifted in another way. Now, we've got to understand this for ourselves and for other people if we're going to be effective in life. The administrator who is married to a mercy has trouble. 
the prophet teacher who is married to a giver has trouble. The exhorter who works with a server, there's going to be friction in the workplace. So if we don't get this, we're mad and we're frustrated and we're arguing with people all the time. Now, let me give you a heads up before we get into this. You are not to use this, when you start understanding what I'm teaching, you're not to use this and say, that's who I am. No, 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 no. I don't say, well, I am an administrator, that's who I am. That's not my gift. I understand that. I understand my gifting, and I understand that I'm going to have to get in here and do the dishes and help my wife. See, I understand, but you come out, it's not, a, it's not a justification for your behavior. It's an understanding of your behavior so you can come out of yourself and do something that you're not really motivated to do on your own. Daily strive to be all seven of these. That's what you want to do. I want to be a giver. I want to be a server. I want to be that. And so I got to daily strive to do that. Okay, when I teach this, here's the example that I always use in explaining this because it so paints the picture for us. And here's the example that I always use in teaching the motivational gifts. All right, we got seven people over at a host home having dinner. Now, dinner is over, the host gets up, goes into the kitchen, and gets this elaborate cake that she has worked on hours on end decorating on a gorgeous platter. And the highlight of the evening is dessert. The host comes in, walks into the dining room, trips, falls, The cake splatters all over the floor. The host falls in the cake. Cake is all over her face, down her front, and she's lifting herself up out of the cake. Seven people at the table. Everybody is going to do something. Everybody's going to have a response. Everybody's going to have a reaction Everybody is going to respond to, everybody is going to respond. You don't sit there and not do anything. You're going to respond. Now, this is, I don't have time to pray about this. I don't have time to seek the Lord about it. What do you do? Immediately, what is your immediate reaction? See, something happens. I grab, my immediate reaction is grab my right hand because I'm right-handed. So don't think about it. That's just your immediate reaction. We're talking about the motivational gifts what boom it's just like an electric shock what motivates you to action all right let's go down through this so that you can understand what i've just told you the prophet the prophet boom cake hits the floor host falls in the cake the prophet jumps up and says i can't believe you just did that that's what happens when you don't watch where you're going I mean, before anybody says anything, the prophet has got to correct somebody. See, I can't believe you just did that. I've told you. That's what happens 
when you walk too fast, you won't watch where you're going. You should have been looking at your feet. You should have watched. See, immediately those are the words that's going to come out of that gifting. Second, the service. Obviously, you know what this person is going to do. Not a word is going to be said. They'll jump to their feet. They will grab a wet rag, not a dry rag. They will grab a wet rag. They will grab a towel and dive into the floor and start cleaning this up. Not a word said. The server will hit that floor. And be, where did she get the towel? Well, where's the towels? Well, where's the rag? Well, where? I don't know how they know where stuff is. The server will have it in their hand and be cleaning that thing up before anybody can even get completely on their feet. The teacher. The teacher, the first words out of the teacher's mouth is, yep, right there, I see it. Right there, see that threshold is coming loose. What we got to do is get that threshold nailed down. See, you should have nailed that down before you tripped over it, then this wouldn't have happened. So you want to go around, and while we're into this, let's go to every threshold all through the house, and let's check all of them right now. Let's just get around, and let's check all of the thresholds, because probably if one's up, there's some other ones up. See, what you want to do is you want to make sure, don't put them in with a nail, because when they start warping, it'll pull that nail out. You want to put those in with a screw. So, Right now, really? See, the the teacher has got to teach. See, this is an object lesson for me to teach something. Whoa. All right, the exhorter. The exhorter. Don't worry about anything here. That was an old plate. You need a new one anyway. Here, I tell you what, next time we should have gotten up and gotten our own dessert. There's no problem here. You're going to be fine. I tell you, we've all eaten way too much. Not anybody in here was hungry. We don't need any dessert. Nobody wanted any anyway. There's no problem. Everything is fine. I don't even see the issue. See, the exhorter is going to just make everything fine about cake being all over the floor. But we don't, there's no problem here. Everything's fine. The giver jumps to their feet, running out the door. What the heck? Where are you going? I'll be right back. What's the giver going to do? I'm going to go buy a cake. I'll be right back. See, I can solve this problem with money. I can solve this problem. All I, I'll be right back. I'm going to go buy a cake. I'll be back before y'all get that cleaned up. See, the giver is going to make something happen by giving to it. The administrator. See, I like this guy. The administrator jumps to his feet and immediately, Jim, get the mop. Bob, you get the broom. Sally, there's a towel in there. You get that. George, you get the trash can and bring it in. See, now the administrator hadn't lifted a finger, but immediately calling out everybody's name and assigning a job and get that, put this, get over here, go. All right, now, okay, come over. Okay, there's some up underneath the table. Get up under there. Get that over there. Here, Jim, you get under the table. You're the smallest. You crawl up under there. You get, see, the administrator is going to administrate this whole crisis. Uh, don't anybody panic. I'll tell everybody in here what to do. I got it. Last one is the mercy. The mercy just falls out of her chair into the cake with her and hugs. Oh, oh, this is awful. I cannot. Oh, I can't stand to bear what you're going through right now. Oh, honey. And starts rubbing her fingers 
through her hair and rocking her back. And they're both in the cake. They're just rocking back and forth. Oh, oh, bless your heart. How awful this is. I am so broken for you. All right. Cake is on the floor. There's seven people around this table, and there's going to be seven different immediate reactions to what we do. Now, when you get a hold of this, it changes your life. You understand yourself, and you understand others so much better. You're not going to be all seven. You're going to be one or two or maybe two and a half. And as I say, the older you get in the Lord, the more you begin to embrace these other gifts. But to begin with, the administrator is mad at the mercy gift. The mercy gift is totally frustrated and angered at the administrator. This is not a time for you to start yelling at everybody. This is no time for you to be laying in the floor in the cake too. Get, see, every, here's the deal. Until you learn and get a hold of this, six out of seven people will frustrate you. Six out of seven people will make you mad all the time because they don't respond in life like they should have. Only one out of seven, being the one that you are, will do to suit you. So there's a constant frustration in the home, in the family, in the workplace, in the church, wherever a group of people are volunteering, there's a constant frustration because we are so gifted differently. The server is mad because the teacher's standing there giving an object lesson instead of help. Get over here and help us and stop talking. You see what we got to do. The party's about to start. Get in here and help us. Stop standing in the living room teaching somebody. We don't care about what happened today. Get in here and help us. Pull. See, the mercy's mad. The administrator's mad. See this situation. Cake is in the floor. Who do we need? Well, I think we need the administrator. No, who do we need? Need all seven. She's got to be comforted. We got to get the cake out of the floor. If we're going to have cake, somebody's got to go buy us another one. See, when all seven of us come together and appreciate one another, then we get the job done and needs are met that needed to be met. Because the truth is, when cake is in the floor, all seven of these things have to happen to come to a positive outcome. All seven of these. But we stay frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. You've got to recognize your gift. And when you sit down at the table, I've had to go over and over and over myself when our kids were young and in the home. This is not the time for me to give a class right now. See, your teenage doesn't want to have a lesson. He doesn't want to have one more lesson. He wants to have a dad or a mom and eat supper together in peace. This is not the time for you to start in on a lesson about it. See, we've got to understand our gifts. See, the mercy folks will raise kids that are very undisciplined and very 
unmotivated to do anything because you've just blessed their heart their whole life. Instead of get your tail and get a job right now, that's the last dime I'm giving you. See, the mercy can't do that. And so they raise kids that are very unproductive and very unsuccessful because they're just blessing their heart all the time. Somebody's got to come in and kick this kid in the rear. That's my job. Okay, well, thank you for doing all that. Now your kids hate you. See, your kids hate you. They hate you, they hate you, they hate you, and they can't wait to get out of your house. See, you've got to make sure that your gifting is working with other giftings, and you have to make sure that you're working your gifting at the time that your gifting is needed. Countless times in our marriage, when our girls were little, one would be in the room crying because somebody hurt their feelings at school today. And Terry would come out of the room and say, got to have a dad in there. What did that mean? That means you stop this right now. In life, this ain't the first person going to hurt your feelings. You got to learn how to deal with hurt feelings. Dry that up, suck it up, and learn how to stand strong when your feelings get hurt. That's what that means. Many times I'd say, got to have a mom in here. What that mean? They don't need a lesson. They don't need chewing out. They need mom to come in here, sit in here on the edge of their bed, rub them on the hair, and let's try to... See, you've got to learn to... When am I needed? When am I not needed? When is my gifting appropriate? When is my gifting not appropriate right now? When do I need to catch a seat and say... See, I, I, I've learned over the years, I've got to call on some help. That, that's what we, why we have a team. How many times a week do I call for Paul and Josh? Guys, here's what I'm thinking. Am I thinking right about this? Because I know Josh will have something or he'll see it from a different perspective. See, I'm not, I don't want him over here telling me what to do. No, I want to make sure that we get the total picture. I, I know that I'm limited in what I can see. I'm limited in the decisions I can make because I only see it from this perspective. In the last 30 years, a jillion times I've called Paul and say, you need to handle this. Now, why do I tell Paul to handle that? I ain't the guy. I'm not the guy. They will hate this church, hate me, and they'll leave if I handle this. Paul, you need, see, we, you begin to operate with other people's giftings, and, and sometimes you're the guy, and sometimes you're not the guy. The more you come to be like the Lord, the more you can operate in all seven of these. For those of you who have just gotten to know me the last few years, you should have known me back when Paul and Angela met me. It was not good. I'm not saying it's good now, but it's a dang sight better than it was. A dang sight better than it was. I've come a long, long way a long way in becoming things that I used to not be, but I recognize what I'm not, and I'm working on those areas in my life because there are seven different expressions of the Holy Spirit. You are one or two of these. Understand them, see them, but don't use them as justification. Use them to understand yourself those around you, and move in a forward motion as we all mature and grow, becoming more like him each and every day.
Y'all stand. Woo! Totally exhausted. I can't wait till next week. Now I got the introduction done. Good, good. Good stuff in the Word. Aren't you glad God didn't just create us and kick us out here, figure this out on our own? He gave us wisdom and direction, guidance for our life as we learn. Um, Church, and I, I don't, through these next coming weeks or months or years or however long, I, I, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I don't want to be a redneck. I, I've, I've grown up mean and mad and fighting and being a redneck. and I, that, I don't want that. That's, I don't want to be a pastor that is a rebel. I don't want to do that. But, but I do want us to live free in this country. I do want us to live free. I want each of you to feel very, very comfortable wearing a mask, sitting over at the side. I want you to feel comfortable not wearing a mask. But we're going to have church. Now, we're going to have church. We're going to be open. We're going to have church. And I don't want this to come to a bad deal. But now the church is essential, and we're going to meet. We're going to meet. You do what you need to do. My goodness, if you're running a fever and sick, stay home. I don't want you down here shaking my hand. Just like we've always done, let's be mature, let's be safe. This virus is deadly, and it's very real, and I'm not minimizing it in any other way. But I didn't walk here, I drove a truck, although there were people that died in a car wreck today too. So we're going to have to be wise, but we're going to live our life here. We're going to live life and we're going to live it like God planned for us to live, and we're going to live in the abundant life. And our church is moving forward, and that's, that's our church's stand. Uh, we want to welcome everybody that wants to come and be fed here. Father God, tonight, direct us and guide us. Lord, I, I don't want our church to be a bad image. I don't want our church to be known by a bunch of stiff-necked rebels. Uh, that, God, I don't want that. But Lord, I do want our church to be known as somebody who will take a stand. I do want our church to be known for somebody who won't bow down, who's somebody who's going to stand on the word and preach your word. Now, God, you direct us and you guide us, navigate us through as our church honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.